Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods of, that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He came, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and now is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and, and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all of these years I have been slaving for you and ne never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Kids are fun, aren't they? There was a little girl that came home from Sunday school one day, and her parents asked her, he said, so what did you learn today? And she said, you know, all I heard was the children of Israel did this, and the children of Israel did that. Didn't the grown-ups do anything? <laughs> there was a story about a little girl that her, her brand-new baby brother had just come home from the hospital. And she was so excited, she followed her parents all around the house and watched as they carefully placed the baby in the bassinet. And she stood over and looked at her new little brother, and she noticed he was still wearing his ID bracelet. And so she asked her mom, she said, when are you going to take the price tag off? <laughs> there were two girls talking about the Sunday school lesson after church one day. And one asked the other, he said, so do you believe in the devil? And very quickly, the girl said, no, of course not. It's just like Santa Claus. It's dad. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, dads. <laughs> Let me tell you one more. As a four-year-old girl came home from church one Sunday, 
and she had just heard this lesson about God as her heavenly father. Now, sound theology quickly tells us that God is neither male nor female, but, but little kids, they don't concern themselves with theological niceties. A four-year-old hears father, and the only father that she knows anything about is the one that lives with them, that sits around the dining room table and says, pass the biscuits. So she asks this question, is God like Daddy? That, that's a pretty heavy load, dads, isn't it? Is God like daddy? But I really think it's a good question for us to consider uh, on Father's Day. Uh, a good uh, one uh, question that we realize, what exactly is a dad? And how can we become role models for our children using God as a concept? Is God like daddy? Wouldn't it be wonderful if all children could, could answer a resounding, yes, God is just like Daddy. But we know that's not always the case, is it? I mean, the story that the, that the boys read just a few minutes ago is, is the parable of the prodigal son. And yet somehow the father has always seemed more fascinating and more interesting to me than either of his children. And he seems to me like a good man that, that we can consider on this Father's Day. I mean, neither one of his sons were particularly special, were they? One of them was self-centered and greedy, and then there was the younger son. But dad was quite a man. Dad was obviously understanding. His boy comes to him and he says, Dad, I'm tired. I'm tired of living in this fishbowl. You're one of the big shots in town, and, and everybody knows who I am because of you. And I can't do anything around here without somebody asking, does your father approve of that? Does your dad know you're here? I'm tired. I want out. So just give me what I figure I'm going to inherit and, and let me be done with this lousy place. Right? Paraphrasing, of course. But you know, I wonder what would have gone through that dad's mind. I'm sure he wouldn't have been happy about this request. Right? None of us dads would have been happy about that. But I wonder whether or not he would have been thinking back and remembering how he felt when he was that age. Did he feel the same way about his father? But at any rate, he decided, the father decided, to grant the boy's wishes, let him go. There was a pastor that said when he was 18, he went to his dad, who was a pastor at the time, and said he was leaving. This is how he said it. He said, I wanted out. I was tired of church, tired of people, tired of taking orders, tired of everything. And so I wanted to get as far away from Baltimore as I could. So I took a bus to Seattle, 3,000 miles away. He said, I know it disappointed and it hurt my folks terribly that I felt that way. It disappointed them that I wasn't going off to college like the rest of the kids my age. But they let me go. And I stayed away for almost a year. We kept in contact. There were letters and phone calls, collect, of course. And then finally, after being tired of only finding odd jobs and living in a $10 a week room and not really being sure I would have enough money for my next meal, I wised up and I decided I need to go home and go back to school. So I called my dad and told them I wanted to come home and asked if they would send me bus fare. I'm not sure where they got the money, but Dad sent it, and I came home. 
He said he was quite the generous man with everything he had. You know, imagine the prodigal's father was a very generous man too. I mean, the boy came to him and asked for his share of the inheritance and his dad gave it to him. Now, in that part of the world, the the second son, the younger son, was going to be given less than the older son. Usually it was about one-third where the older son got two-thirds. But one-third of an estate of a fairly well-off man... I mean, during the course of the story, we heard mention and references to well-fed servants and, and robes and rings and shoes and banquets. So it's safe to assume that Junior rode off from that house with quite a haul. You know, I don't know how many fathers today could, could consider doing such a thing. I mean, if one of my boys came to me and, and gave me that request, I'd probably pass out. Right? One, because they're only 13 years old. What are they thinking? Where are they going to go? But also, there's no way that I, or I imagine most any of us, could, could do that. Could, could any of us liquidate that kind of assets without filing bankruptcy? But still, this, this parable is a picture of a loving and generous father. That, that's what Jesus is painting here for us today. But along with that understanding, along with that generosity, we also see this deep concern. I mean, if the story were set today, you could envision dad coming in for lunch and, and talking to his wife and saying, anything in the mail today? i saying, oh, just some bills and a letter from my sister. Oh, nothing from Junior? No, no, still no word. He was concerned. He didn't know where his son was. He didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know how he was doing. I mean, they didn't have email and cell phones and and things like that. Facebook, he can check in where he was. His concern grew to such an extent that each day he would go out and he would stand at the end of that long, winding driveway, peering off into the distance, hoping, praying for some miracle upon miracle that he would see his boy coming down the road, coming home to him. And then it happened. One day he's looking out and he sees that lone figure way off down the road, almost unrecognizable as the son that left home. I mean, he's now dressed in rags instead of the finest robes. The shoes, they had been worn through and gone. The, The rings and jewelries that he left with as part of his inheritance long been sold to buy food. When that ran out, he took a job slopping hogs. Didn't even pay enough to keep body and soul together. I love it. The scripture tells us he would have been happy just to eat what the pigs were eating. I didn't grow up on a farm. I don't know how many of you did. I I didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up in the city, right? 20 minutes from downtown Chicago. We were very much the suburbs. Like, I didn't know what 4-H was until I got into ministry. I, I just thought someone didn't know their alphabet really well. I've never slopped buckets for pigs. But I can imagine that's not the most appetizing or desirable thing for someone to want to eat. But that's how desperate he was. And of course, that's what drove him to come back home. A shadow of a young man that left 
not really all that long ago. Okay, can you imagine the face of the father when he sees him? Eyes as big as dinner plates, jaw dropping, suddenly becoming so completely enveloped in the biggest smile you could ever imagine. His son was coming home. And then he does it. He does the one thing no self-respecting man in that village in that day would ever think to do. He raises up his robe and his tunic and he runs. No man ran that day. It was very disrespectful. You walked everywhere you went. But he didn't care. His son was home. And so he ran as fast as his legs could take him down that road. Imagine the son standing there, staring as his dad got bigger and bigger. Finally arriving, throwing his arms around his boy, smothering him with hugs and kisses. My son, my son, you're home. My son. He finally gets some words out, right? He tries to apologize. He tries to ask for forgiveness for having sinned against heaven and against his father. He tries to just say, Dad, I just want to come home. Can I work for you? I know you have servants. You, you always need servants. I'll just, I'll take care of the animals. I'll work on the farm. I'll, do, I'll work at the house. I'll do whatever you need. Can I just come home? Dad was having none of it. See, there was no question about forgiveness. All Junior had to do was turn his face toward home and forgiveness, forgiveness was there just waiting for him. And it's such a beautiful picture of what we can expect of our Heavenly Father. And it's also a great picture of what God expects of us as fathers to be. Loving, understanding, generous, concerned, forgiving, grace, and so much more. Now, if God is like Daddy, then dads, we have to be all of them, don't we? But there is one more note for us earthly fathers that I want us to see in this parable. When Junior finally comes to his senses, right, when he realizes how much he was missing, sitting in the middle of that, you know, pig pen, he very intuitively knew the cause of why. It was sin. I mean, the word of Scripture says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Maybe intuitively really isn't the proper word, though, because I suspect a little more than intuition is involved here. I imagine this was the kind of home where the concept of sin and its consequences, uh, they would have been taught to this boy from a very young age. His father's not like so, so many you hear of today that they shy away from that religious education from their children. They, they say, I don't want to force anything on my kids. I'll let them get older. I'll let them make their own decisions. No, that's not what the dad did. Because if the prodigal father had felt that way, I, I imagine the boy would still be sitting in the middle of the pigsty with no idea of why he was there. But he wasn't. Now, this would have been the kind of dad that would have taken his boys to Sunday school and church and not just dropped them off. And he would have been the dad that, that was there volunteering and helping in Sunday school or in youth group. 
He would have never told his family that he, he valued a secular education more than what they learn in church. And he would have been the dad that said, you know, just because it rains on Monday, I don't get to skip work. So just because it rains on Sunday doesn't mean we're skipping church. His system's values, they, they would have been very obvious and very strong. Of course, I don't know this. <laughs> I mean, after all, this is a parable, right? And what's a parable? It's an earthly story, so that we can understand it, with a heavenly meaning. I mean, these are all just fictional characters that Jesus made up in his mind. But I think we can reasonably assume some of these things. Because that's the kind of father that was, he was presented to be in this story. And there's one other thing I don't really know if it's true, but I like to assume in any way. I like to assume that the prodigal son would have turned out to be a pretty good guy after the, in the end. I mean, over and over again, we hear stories about wayward sons that finally come to their senses, right? And they turn out to be fine young men because of the influence of their fathers. Or even stories of, of little boys who, who maybe didn't go all that wayward, but still turned out to be great men because of their fathers. Reinhold Niebuhr was the son of a minister. One afternoon, he was walking with his father home from church, and his father asked him, he said, Reinhold, have you thought about what you want to be when you grow up? And he said, yes, I have. He said, great, what do you want to be? And he said, I want to be a minister. And his dad asked him, why would you want to be a minister? And he said, because you are the most respected man in town. And Niebuhr became one of the most thoughtful, articulate theologians in his century. Or Billy Graham. Billy Graham became the man he was because of the influence of his father in his home. There are stories that people that knew his father say they would rather have Frank Graham pray for them than anyone else. Or D.T. Niles, at the time of his death, was one of the best-known preachers in all of Asia. But when he was just a year old, he was sent to live with his grandfather because his mother had died and his father just couldn't take care of him. And he said, I went to live with my grandfather until I went to school, and after that I spent all my holidays with him. And he first considered to be a minister as a vocation under the influence of the man who became the father figure in his life his grandfather. It's like the old saying, no matter how much you teach your child, they insist on behaving like their parents. It's true, isn't it, dads? Moms? There's a little poem that says, his little arms crept around my neck and I heard him say, four simple words I can't forget, four words that made me pray. They turned a mirror on my soul on secrets no one knew, they startled me. I knew him yet. He said, I'll be like you. What an awesome responsibility it is, fatherhood. Isn't it? I mean, we, we present our children and we promise to raise them in the knowledge and the love of God. And Sometimes we forget that as our sons and our daughters grow up and as they learn and as they watch us, they come to that question. Is God like daddy? So let me ask you this morning, are you prepared to hear the answer to that question? Is God like daddy?
If you're not certain this morning, then, then let this Father's Day be a new day. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of our loving and gracious and holy Heavenly Father, it allows us to make a new start. And that start all begins by surrendering our life to Him. Surrendering our will to Him. So if that's something you desire this morning, 